the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In sales, it goes something like this. He who speaks first loses. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I entitled this message, Pain a Price. I wonder if you've ever missed out on God's will. Well, I'm sure you have, because I know I have at times. I think we all have. And every time that we miss his will in our life, there's a price that we're going to have to pay for that. Sometimes we don't even notice it because we're so far out of his will. We don't even notice that we missed it and what have you. Yet there are other times that we do realize it immediately. As we think to ourselves, you know, this isn't going to end well because I am out of God's will right now. The Bible calls it in the book of Galatians in the New Testament, reaping what we have sown. Others will call it sowing to the wind and reaping the whirlwind. One thing for sure, when we step outside of God's will, there will always be a price to pay. The question is, at what point will we start truly seeking God's will over our own will? At what point will we desire to hear his voice over our voice or to hear his voice over all the other noise that is surrounding us? It's easy to justify some of the areas that are wrong in our lives. Why? Because we're surrounded by others that are doing so much worse than we're doing. And they don't seem to be paying a price for it, at least not yet. Yet, we've seen how many have to pay, though, for their bad behavior, because it does come back around. From Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin in their college admission scandal that they both had to go to jail on, to Lance Armstrong for using drug enhancements in competition as he seemed to lose his way until he finally got caught up with it, and it caught him. And then he lost all of his accolades and all of those Tour de France wins. Yes, we can play with sin, the things that we know are wrong, but let's not forget, again, what the Bible says in Proverbs 6.27. He says, can a man... Take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned. I mean, he's asking a simple question here. Can you go up and grab a campfire and pull it in close to you and not be burned? Can you do that? He goes on and asks another question in the next verse. He says, or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? 
Now, I guess we've seen some people that have walked on hot coals. But let me tell you, these feet, if they're on hot coals, it's not going to work. Because me just at the beach on a hot day, I can't handle the sand. I'm throwing my towel down and, oh, okay. So it's like his, the obvious question, can you, can you take fire in and not get burned? Well, the obvious answer is no. You can't do things that are absolutely wrong and not get burned. As you know, it doesn't matter how much fame a person has or success, how much money they have. We, you know, we will all reap what we sow. It's a spiritual law. That's why. God just says, look, if you do things that are wrong, it's going to come back on you. It's just the way that it is. God's the one who established that. Know this, we cannot live in sin and expect to receive God's blessings as believers. So if we're believers and we have truly come to know Christ, but yet if you're going to have an area of sin in your life, guess what? It will come back on you unless, of course, we have a desire to repent of our sins. Well, today, with that as a backdrop, we're going to continue in this study through the book of Genesis. We will look at Jacob as he will reap what he has sown. Now, as you know, in the previous study, we saw Jacob deceive his own father by stealing the blessing from his older brother Esau. Now, how did that come about? It's because his mother had this plan. Listen to me, young man. This is what you're going to do. His mother, Rebecca, came up with the idea. She wasn't fond of her eldest son, Esau. He was an outdoorsman, a man's man, you could say, a hunter. The Bible says he was extremely hairy on top of all of that. But yet Jacob, who she favored, Rebecca did, was her younger son. And she, you know, he used to help his mother in the kitchen. He was only born a couple seconds after his elder brother. They were twins in the same womb. I mean, how much longer, you know, did it take for him to come out? Well, he was holding on to the foot of his brother. So, I mean, is he 1,001, 1,002? Is he one or two seconds younger than his eldest brother, but nonetheless, he was the younger son. And so this is what they did. They went in and she took her younger son and she says, you're going to go deceive your father and get the blessing from your brother. Your brother's out in the field hunting to make a meal for your dad. I'm going to make the meal for your dad. I'm going to put goat skins on you because your father's eyesight is bad. He's nearly blind. So I'm going to put goat skins on you. I mean, how hairy was her eldest son that she had to put goat skins on her younger son to fool the dad, Isaac, into giving him the total blessing. Well, it didn't take long for him to reap what he had sowed from stealing his brother's birthright and his blessings, which left Esau absolutely furious and wanting to kill him. So Jacob had to get out of Dodge. He had to get out of town. His mom says, you got to get out of here. Your brother is going to put the smack down on you. So she sent him to her brother Laban to find a wife and to let Esau, his brother, cool down. Now, with all of that, we're going to consider four points in light of our title, Paying the Price. Number one, finding his roots. So, Jacob was able to go and find his roots. It was his family. It was his his mother's entire family from where she came from. Number two, we're going to look at giving his all. 
there was something there that Jacob found that he was willing to give everything he had for it. Number three, we're going to look at getting played. Oh, the player gets played here. Oh, he thinks he's a deceiver. His name Jacob means deceiver, but oh, he's going to come into contact with someone that has graduated the deceiver's class, okay? And then number four, finding favor. Isn't it wonderful when we mess up and we do things that are wrong that we find favor with God even in the midst of our sin? Well, we're going to look at that too. But let's look at our first point first, which is finding his roots. We're going to read a lot of text today, but we have to, to keep up with the whole story. So we're going to read it all here. So picking up in Genesis chapter 29, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Then Jacob went on his journey, and he came to the land of the sons of the east. He looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it. For from that well, they watered the flocks. Now the stone of the mouth of the well was large. And when all the flocks were gathered there, they would then roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and then put the stone back in its place on the mouth of the well. Verse four, Jacob said to them, so he walks up. These guys are all standing around the rock by the well. Okay, so he walks up. My brothers, where are you from? And they said, we're from Haran. And he's like, oh, great. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Haran. Okay. Verse five. And he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. And he said to them, is it well with him? And they said, it is well. And here, by the way, walking up is Rachel, his daughter coming with the sheep. And he said, behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered and water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, we cannot wait, or we cannot until all the flocks are gathered. And they roll the stone from the mouth of the well, and then we water the sheep. Okay, verse 9. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Verse 10. When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and he rolled the stone from the mouth of the well. He watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and he wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. So when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. Then he related to Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Okay, so it's a lot of text, but at least you get the whole background here. He's been looking like, where is this place? I've never been there before. It's not like we went on vacation there and, and, and visited them before. I've never seen them. Don't know who they are. I'm just getting everything my mom told me. Look for my brother and look for his home. Okay. So understand, the reason of Jacob coming to Haran again right now was not just for a social visit. It was actually twofold. Number one, it was to get away from his big brother Esau, who was probably much larger than him, the hunter out in the field, who wants to kill him for stealing everything he had. But number two, it was also to find a wife. You know, and he wanted to find a wife there because that's the reason that 
Rebecca went to Isaac and said, we've got to send him away. Instead of confessing her sin and saying, it was my fault that I deceived you with, you know, our son Jacob and put all the hairy stuff on him and everything. It's like, it's all my fault. No, she just said, hey, we don't want him to marry one of the heathen women of this area. Let's send him away to get a godly wife so he doesn't marry like what Esau did. He married two heathen women there in the area. So he went there also to find a wife. And when he saw Rachel, he was overcome with emotion. And he kissed her. Hey, slow down, tiger. (laughs) It's like, you know, I remember when I first met my wife, we were up at this little church we were going to in Upland, California. And me and my friend were there, and we went for the Sunday night service. But for some reason, they had canceled it. And so we were playing Frisbee, me and this other guy named Vince. And so my wife's mother pulls up with her, and there was nobody else there. And so her mom comes up to me and says, are they having a Bible study tonight? I go, well, I thought they were. That's why we came, but they must have canceled it. And she goes, oh, okay. Well, hey, this is my daughter, Lori. And I walked up to her and I said, hi, how's it going? We'll have to go out sometime. <laughs> it's like, like, why Why did that ever come out of my mouth? I had never said anything like that before. And she's looking at me like, gee, that boy's here friendly. <laughs> anyway, this was more of a greeting, though, giving her a kiss on the cheek or whatever than anything else. For he had been on a long journey to get there and to find out that he's in the right place. And knowing that this is where his new home will be for a season of his life, he was actually relieved and excited. Then we have his mother, Rebecca's brother, coming out to meet him. It's his uncle Laban. And Uncle Laban seems like the perfect uncle as he embraces him and gives him a kiss of greeting and tells him, you are my bone and you are my flesh. Welcome, son. He takes him into his home and he treats him just like family because, well, he is family. Then he moves in for a month. Well, in that month's time of living with Laban, Jacob was absolutely convinced that He met the girl of his dreams. He was absolutely smitten with Laban's daughter, Rachel. This ends up being a love story that's just made in heaven. Well, anyway, that brings up our second point, giving his all. Let's read what happens next in verse 15. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? It's like, tell me, young man, what shall be your wages? Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Rachel's the one that he put the kiss smackdown on. (laughs) Anyway, verse 7, and Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel, oh, she was beautiful in form and face. Oh, this girl is a knockout. Verse 18, now Jacob loved Rachel. Yeah, you think not? Okay. So, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Go ahead, stay with me, work for me for seven years. Verse 20. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him, but a few days because of his love for her. Ladies, I mean, come on. Are you with me on the story here? Don't lose it, ladies. Come on, hang with me here. Well, Uncle Laban appears again to be the nicest uncle in the world. He told Jacob, hey, work for me, but I don't want you to work for free, young man. I need to pay you. So why don't you tell me, what should I pay you? Well, again, 
at this point, Jacob was totally smitten 100% with Rachel. He was swept away by her beauty. Remember, Jacob had to leave his family because of his deception and stealing his brother's blessing. And now he's missing his family. Oh, he's not missing them anymore. That's old shoe. It's being replaced now with his eyes bulging out of his head. He's consumed with Rachel now. We're told in verse 17 that her older sister Leah had weak eyes. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that she couldn't see that well. Oh, they didn't have contact lenses back then, and she's not wearing bifocals. No, 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 no. It was the look of her. When you looked at her, there was no sparkle in her face. Rachel, though, on the other hand, was stunningly beautiful. I mean, she is Vogue magazine cover material here. It says that she was not just beautiful in form, but face. So she had like the perfect body, the perfect face. Simply put, this woman was hot, okay? So what's the one thing that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all have in common? Well, there's a lot of things. But one of them is they all had beautiful wives, okay? The Bible actually points out that their wives were actually beautiful. So the Bible said that all their wives were. And now Jacob is working for his uncle. And he's being asked, okay, so what should I pay you, young man? I used to sell construction equipment. And there's a saying in sales that goes something like this. He who speaks first loses, okay? Meaning when you're negotiating a deal, the person who speaks first will most of the time, you know, lose. So like if I'm selling a skid steer loader to someone and it's $35,000 or $40,000, and I'm like, okay, what's how much is a piece of equipment? It's $40,000, okay? That's the MSRP. MSRP is Manufacturer's Suggested Retail Price. Okay, now that guy might say to me, well, how much can you give me a deal on it? And then I might say to him, well, how much of a deal do you want? Well, I'll give you 38.5 for it right now, he might say. And I'll say, hmm, all right. If you're willing to buy it, I'll sell it to you right now for 38.5. But see, that's because he spoke first. I might have said, I'll sell it to you for 38,000. It's like sometimes he who speaks first loses. And that's the case here with Jacob. He spoke first in the same way. But let's remember what Jacob's name means. It means deceiver. But now the deceiver, Jacob, he has met his match with his soon-to-be father-in-law, Uncle Laban. And I'm sure Uncle Laban had seen the sparks flying between his daughter, Rachel, the beautiful one, and Jacob. And I'm sure it's all she's talked about. Oh, he's so dreamy. He's so wonderful. My wife, who first started dating together, and I was in her house for the first time. Her mom told me later that when I left, that where I was sitting on the couch, my wife had grabbed the pillow. I go, why was she holding the pillow? And her mom goes, because you had touched it. You know, it's like, she's not holding pillows anymore. <laughs> okay. Hey, after 41 years, she's not holding any pillows. She's like, hey, get off that pillow. That's the nice one for the couch. You know, don't use that one anyway. But uh, yes, yeah, some things about people though, never change. And that's one of them. And in this culture, people would have a dowry and a dowry was like, basically I'm going to give you this 
for your daughter. So this is how many cultures, and a lot of cultures are still like this today, where you have to go and basically you have to give the dad something to have his daughter's hand in marriage. So we don't do that pretty much here in America anymore, but this is how it was back then. So now for Jacob here to give this, you know, it's like, um, what am I going to give? Because he left, he got driven out of his land, right? Because his brother's going to kill him, okay? So he's coming in with empty pockets. Like, I, I don't got nothing to give for this beautiful woman. Now, Laban, knowing this, says to Jacob, well, what should I pay you? Like, hint, hint. And Jacob, being madly in love with Rachel, he spoke first. And he said, how about I work for you for free for your daughter, and I'll work for you for seven years. I could see Uncle Laban like, <laughs> we're going to get along real good, young man. Maybe he would have said, if he would have spoke first, he would have said, why don't you work for me for free for six months and I'll give you my daughter? Because I know you two are madly in love. But because he put it on to Jacob, let me see what you say. And when he said seven years for free, you're going to work seven years for this woman. for Yeah, okay, sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Laban might have thought, you know, like, I would have done it for way less than that. But Rachel in Jacob's eyes was worth it. In Jacob's eyes, this woman, she was priceless. I'll work for you for seven years for this woman. Yeah, that's what it was going to be. It was going to be a lot. And that's what he had given, you know. So, So he spoke first and probably gave away more than he needed, but in his eyes, it was worth it. But whatever the case, he didn't care. He was smitten for that woman. But let's read again what Jacob said in Genesis 29, 20. It says, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Girls, are you with me? He worked seven years. And it was like nothing. It didn't matter to him because it was like his love for her was so big that it was like it just seemed like a few days to him. Oh, I only have to work another six and a half years to have her. Oh, I can't wait. It's only five more years. It's like I can't wait. It's like only four more years. The time is blown by. Every time I see her, I'm out to work and I just look at her. She smiles. It's like, oh, it's like it just seemed like a few days. Is this not Every girl's dream come true. A man that would love her more than anything else around. A man that would give seven years of his life just to be with you, to have you as his wife. No, they were not living together. Oh, no. Oh, they're they're not racking and shacking together. No, they were not sleeping together. They waited. You know, some Christians say, well, you know, look, we're going to get married, you know, uh, we're, we're going to get engaged, you know, and somehow they justify sleeping together. Look, we expect this to happen in the world. People are living together all the time. But as a Christian, this cannot be named among us. You do not have sexual relations with a person until you get married. Let's remember, God didn't say no. He said, wait. God's the one that created the sexual relationship. He created it to bless us with that. It's something that you have with that woman or that man that you can't share with anybody else. You can go on vacations with people. You can go out to eat with people. You can do whatever with everybody. But this is one area that is exclusive for a husband and a wife. And God says, 
I want you to wait until you come into a covenant relationship together. But then some people might say, but we're going to get married. The date is set. Can't we kind of sneak a little bit? No, absolutely not. But then some might say, but how do we know that we're sexually compatible? On the honeymoon, when that little do not disturb goes onto the hotel door, it will all work. It'll just all work. Everything will be wonderful. Trust me on that. Yes, Jacob was completely and totally convinced that Rachel was the only woman for him. He staked seven years of free labor on it. He was willing to wait for her. So he worked and he worked hard. Could you imagine if we had that same kind of love for the Lord? What would happen if we had that love for the Lord? Think about it. Oh, how our work and service for the Lord would always be done with a heart of joy. Wherever the Lord would send us, it would never seem too far. Whatever the Lord asks us to do, it would never seem too hard. Whatever sacrifice we had to make, it would never seem like it was too much. Whatever price it costs us as Christians, it would never seem too high. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 